Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. I am your host, Drew, and with me today is Justin. In this episode, we're going to be going over the OCIC results. We're going to be diving into a quick MetaShare study regarding the top 16 from said event. We're going to answer a listener question. We got some card spotlight to go over today, and then we're going to finish the show off with our predictions for Bokum, I think that's how you say it, and the Knoxville TCG Regional. Justin, how are you, buddy? I'm great, man. Um, just coming off of a great family weekend. Uh, did some cool stuff with the wife. Got a date day, which is really cool. And uh, going through a little bit of a busy work week, but that's because we're pre- prepping to leave uh, on a flight for Knoxville on Thursday. So just trying to get ahead of things and uh, doing doing well other than that. How about you, man? I'm good. But before we roll on to me, I get a lot of messages that says, yeah, Justin's from Florida, but... You know, what is there fun to do in your area? I know what you like to do, but if someone were to transfer, like, transfer, tra- uh, travel, oh my god, the words are hard, uh, to your area, what would they go do, man? Oh, it just all depends what part of Florida they uh, they landed. If they go to Central Florida, obviously you got things like Disney and Universal. You go over to Tampa, you got a bunch of restaurants, the City Walk, Tampa Bay area, um, all the beaches up and down the coast. Uh, this weekend, my wife and I actually went over to this area called Tarpon Springs, which is north of Tampa, and it's literally like the most densely populated Greek population outside of Greece itself. Um, so we went and had like a little Greek day, which was pretty cool. We ate at like a really authentic restaurant and walked around on the sponge docks and stuff like that. And it was just, it was pretty cool. And then, you know, we're both into different uh, alcohols and stuff, obviously, because my career. So we went over to a distillery over there and stuff like that. So there's just a ton of stuff to do. It all just depends where you're going. And if anyone's ever traveling to Florida, feel free to hit me up because I've been all up and down the state. I've been here my entire life, so I can tell you all kinds of fun things to do. All right. And without putting the GPS pinpoint in you for security reasons, I think I'll cut it at that. Uh, (laughs) My week's good. It's been busy at work. Um, Obviously, I went on vacation a little while ago, which felt pretty good. I did try to go to the movies with my wife on Friday, and we ended up getting a cat instead. So, no, we didn't go to the movies and see the new <laughs> Ant-Man. But, yes, I did get a new cat. She's seven months old, and her name is Beasley or Bees, with a question mark, kind of like the uh, um, Cards Against Humanity answer, which is pretty funny. So, yeah, that's been a whole lot of fun. Socializing them with my other cats has been really easy surprisingly i think my cats were um in need of an extra partner because we had four cats for so long and then around christmas we didn't so back at four and everything is chilling but other than that i watched some pokemon this weekend specifically the ocic i mean tournament i guess i should have just called it the Oceana international regional championship yeah yeah it was uh i didn't get to watch too much of it myself but i heard it was pretty intense and just an awesome all-around uh weekend yeah for sure there were only 524 masters and i guess before i go into this god i'm all over the place today man the results recap is powered by ultimate guard when it's time to upgrade your tcg storage or just resleeve your favorite deck be sure to check out ultimate guards premium accessories boom there it is all right, OCIC had 524 Masters, although it seemed like there aren't just a lot of people there. I guess it's just really hard to travel to. Uh, the competition was dense. We actually saw a pretty good representation of uh, Japanese and other uh, Asia 
Origin, well, not Origin, I just, Asia players. And uh, it was really cool to see them on stream and interact and stuff like that. Seeing the world's runner-up, Daichi Shimada, back on stream was really, really cool. I ended up playing like a control deck. And I was gawking because Japanese cards are so cool because they already have the silver borders. And I I am huffing so much hopium right now that our cards look half as good as theirs. Yeah, the, the games I did catch with some of those silver borders, they did look really good on the playmats. It was actually like kind of... It was one of those... I didn't know how it would transition for us as like players, but after seeing that, like it makes me a lot more excited to transition from those yellow borders to the, the silver borders. Yeah, but unfortunately, some of the best cards in the format are going to continue to have yellow borders... So you might as well just go get full arts and flex it out. If it doesn't come in full art, get it in gold. Exactly. Until next season. Yeah. No, or next rotation. Def- yeah, next rotation. Wait, no. Because it will still have some stuff from like Brilliant Stars, because I think that's the next block. Oh, Jesus. Like five some... years from now, then. <laughs> I know. They need to reprint <laughs> cards with silver borders. Anyways, our first place champion of OCIC. This is like their second like international championship. And it's coming on a back-to-back year where they won NAIC is none other than Azul Garcia Griego, otherwise known as Azul GG. You can find him on YouTube and Twitch. What did he play? Yeah, so um, I called this one right in our predictions, but Azul played a Lost Zone toolbox. Um, it's you know pretty relevant to what we've been seeing with the the Dragonite V inclusion in the the Lost Zone box. Um, but we're also seeing the new inclusion of that Sky Sealstone that I am so absolutely terrified to play V-Dex because of. Um, and it it worked uh, this weekend for Azul, big time. Um, I mean, one of the games I caught, he was playing against a Mew, and he straight attached that to a Drapion and took four prizes, and it was absolutely uh, mind-boggling. So uh, just insanely powerful card for this deck, um, especially with the the inclusions that we see here. Yeah, for sure. It was really funny in the finals, and we'll get to the second place deck here in a second. Uh, but you could see the cards were piecing together to potentially get the Sky Seal Stone KO on Lugia, and it was just you know one flower selecting after another. Each piece was coming together, and it was really cheeky. I was like, "Ooh, you could go for it here, but you really overextend yourself." And they ended up taking the safe play and passing, which but it was so cool to see it on stream. The buildup was huge because you're like, oh, there's a choice belt. There's a Sky Seal Stone. There's the energy in deck. He needs one more Mirage Gate. So <laughs> it was super duper exciting. This deck is really cool, though. And one card we haven't really seen a whole lot of play in Lost Box itself is the one of Bird Keeper, man. What does this add to the deck? Yeah, I think it's just a way to um, add that extra switching potential. Um, in the list, we do see four scoop-up nets, two switch carts, two escape ropes, and and an air balloon. And on top of that, we also see the bird keeper. So just kind of adding to the aggro switching ability to get your Mirage Gates on board that much quicker, as well as your Sableyes, um, but also just extra draw power. Say you're you're missing a couple cards in deck that are, that are R in deck, that's just one extra way to find them that's not going to be off of Comfy um, or potentially a Colrus. Say you're down to the last few cards and you don't want a Colrus. You want to just guarantee those cards in hand while leaving a card or two in deck. Bird Keeper helps you get out of that situation. So, yeah, um, just a really strange but also kind of makes sense inclusion in here for just the extra switching. 
Yes, no, I think that that's a great inclusion. The Zara Aura has seen some fringe play in Lost Box. It's really easy to set up with Mirage Gate. And with the Choice Belt, it knocks out Lugias if they don't have the Dunsparce down. So uh, very, very powerful Lightning Attacker, single prize. Uh, it's kind of the beauty of Lost Boxes. You could really fire up some... I don't, I don't want to... Just utility field uh, single prizers. And this deck is cool. It's not like something we've seen... Uh, you know, net deck wise, but other than that, it's got a tremendous amount of merit and I, you know, hats off to Azul. And it's really funny. I, I'm a fan of the Un- Uncommon Energy podcast and Azul is one of the hosts on there and they consistently have this banter back and forth about the highest placing Crown Zenith card and he took Sky Seal Stone and won OCIC with it. So I guess that answers the question, you know, what's the best card from CRZ? That it's Sky Seal Stone for sure. Yeah, and even though this was a smaller tournament, I mean, just seeing, like, the pairings and stuff like that that were happening, like, this was a world's caliber event with the with the players that were there. I mean, I just kept seeing round after round on Twitter um, people posting their matches or, like, just the, the field of, like, the tables around them, and it was literally all world's invite every year players from around the world, which is just... You know, so even though it's a smaller event, doesn't mean it was an easier event by any means. So the fact that Azul could pilot through all those professional players to this finish is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And you know, GG's again, Azul, GG. That's really funny. Uh, second place, Regan Retzolf. I am so sorry if I cannot pronounce your last name, but this dude's a part of the testing group. We talked about it in the Discord. Tremendous amount of plot armor. You know, they stepped into Masters this year and finished so well in Orlando. And seeing the success carry on to an event of this stature, like we had just previously mentioned, how dense the competition is, is a huge accomplishment. So before we even talk about the deck, GG's, Regged, you are insane. You're going to be scary to play at, at top tables for a long time to come. Uh Lugia Archeops, we know it's powerful, but what makes this build different? Yeah, so the difference is, well, one of the things, that the first thing I notice is the fact that it doesn't actually play a copy of Dunsparce in there, um, which is pretty um, interesting for, you know, especially in his testing partners group, we saw his testing partners were playing Reggie's and still yet Reagan came through and actually beat Raul in the top four um, against, you know, or in top four against Reggie's. So um, didn't seem like he needed it, and it worked out well for him. But, I mean, as far as looking at the list, the only crazy thing I'm really seeing is, you know, maybe the second copy of uh, Lost Vacuum. A lot of lists were only playing one. But other than that, it's pretty streamlined Lugia, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, you've got your double boss, your single Serena, the return of Birdkeeper, which I think is important because the last time Lugia took a dive into uh, ANZ, Oceania, whatever, it got hard countered by Paralysis decks in the form of Articuno and Zekrom. So they were definitely teched out for that specifically. What I really do like is that there's just so much energy to play around with. Two double turbo, the single V-Guard, the Heat, the Speed Lightning, which gives you like a one in... 54 chance to potentially draw with it if you don't prize it um but the whole idea is without the dunsparce yes you're leaving your lugia super susceptible to that turn two potential knockout from a lightning attacker 
But at the same time, once Lugia is out of play, you have plenty of utility to work with in terms of attacking and just forwarding a lot of good single prize attackers into play in the form of uh, your Radiant Charizards, your Eveltals, and Raikus. It's the same Lugia list we've seen for some time, but taking that risk and just understanding that Lugia, yes, might go down, but you might get to outrace them in prizes like this. You know, the the two 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 strategy with Lugia just seems as powerful as it ever has been. Yeah, I agree. And especially on the energy count too, going back to that, like um, my testing group and everything, we had been looking at Lugia. Like I have, I'm, I haven't been a fan of playing Lugia too much myself, um, even though I have it built. But in testing and everything, we actually were going back and forth on the energy counts. And we also came to the same conclusion of really liking the speed lightning in there. Not even necessarily for the, the fact that maybe you have that really slim chance of actually attaching it to Raikou for the extra draw, but the fact that you can Archeops it to Raikou, and that's one less of your Aurora energy that you have to put on Raikou, therefore saving those other the saving your Aurora energies, or at least one extra Aurora energy, to attach to things like Yveltal or Radiant Charizard, um, and continue to go from there. So it's just it's one of those, like instead of having to commit three energies to Raikou, um, or three Aurora energies to Raikou, that's one less and giving you more options with those Radiant um, attackers and uh, Amazing Rare attackers and things like that. So um, it's really cool to see that Reagan also, I'm, was, I'm sure he thought of this way before we did, but obviously saw that too and saw that was just a great stat- strategy to extend those attackers that much further. Yeah, absolutely. This this is a sick deck. This is a sick finish. You know, Reagan's going to bounce back and probably mop up the rest of the season in terms of top eights and maybe even taking another regional or two here and there in Masters this time around. But those are our top two decks. We got the notable shout-outs. I picked all of these out. I was so excited <laughs> about the decks that were in top cut, so I didn't, I didn't give Justin any time to kind of ponder or think about what to put in there because I stole all the opportunity and first we're going to talk about <laughs> owen cameraman's mu v max the new technology uh list that features the one one aerodactyl but third place with the deck like this this is techie bro what are we looking at yeah it's um it's pretty wild the fact that this uh advanced technology mu as everyone's been calling it with the, the aerodactyl and there's been making such a splash but um, it, it's kind of making more and more sense as we're seeing the deck see more and more play um, just for that that ability to shut off Lugia's summoning star ability if you can go first um, but also even in the mirror match we're starting to see people play it for the fact that they can shut off their opponent's Genesex and therefore locking out um, their opponent from playing Mew practically because Path has been kind of the normal uh, counter to Mew, but then now Mew adapted and is playing its own counter stadiums as well as lost vacuums and things like that to get around it. Well, if you're putting an Aerodactyl out, well, they can't lost vacuum away an Aerodactyl or stadium bump away an Aerodactyl. So it's just a really strong way to lock your opponent out of the game and just, you know, just go off to the races at this point. And then what's one less card you're drawing off of, um, you know, Genesex ability if that means your opponent can't play the game. So, yeah, just a really, really cool trade-off. Um, and just, you know, congrats to, I, I want to say it was Xander Pero that came up with this initially, so congrats to him for coming up with it, and also Owen for taking it to a third-place finish here. Yeah, and I want to steer back into that whole note of drawing one less off of Genesect. What I noticed about this deck, cross-switchers do not exist here. So, yes, the back-of-back attacks plus gusting option with Mew, 
is doesn't exist in this specific list but what does is the two rotom phones so you can make those minimal draws that you're having because of aerodactyl really count because you're stacking that card on top of your deck after you look at the top five so that combo right there is just I don't want to call it pure efficiency, but it definitely gives you that extra dig and it gives you that edge over your opponent. Because yes, you might be putting yourself at a disadvantage, but now you've got the cards in there to feed into the whole idea of what you're trying to do is still play Mew while your opponent literally can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. And and for the lack of cross switchers, we do see that Owen is playing two bosses as well as a pal pad. So in theory, and he's also playing Silene too. So in theory, he can loop bosses pretty regularly you know if he gets all the cards when he needs them and you know get flips the heads on silene and stuff like that so um plenty of gusting ability um in here as long as you get everything you need which mew has no problem as we've seen in the past getting what it needs when it needs it absolutely this is a super sick list i am i don't think that this is going to be the new way to play mew obviously this is circumstantial because lugia but Nonetheless, still very, very cool. Next list we're going to talk about is Pedro Torres's Lost Zone Box. Right back into that idea of talking about the top-placing Crown Zenith card. I got to watch this dude on stream play the uh, Crown Zenith Zamazenta, and it is such a checkmate card in a deck like this. Like You put the Sableye down, you attach the one energy, plus the Zamazenta, you get a couple energies on it, or maybe even just Mirage Gate fully to it and attack with Cram. Like, cram you're locking down the board state. Your opponent really has no rebuttal. On top of that, they're also playing the Sky Seal Stone with a combination of the Drapion and the Raikou V to put a ton of pressure on your opponent playing Lugia or Mew. Yeah, and honestly, because of that Sky Seal Stone Drapion combo is seeing so much play now after OCIC, I think it's honestly might, might be a bad time to play Mew. But yeah, just the, the fact that we knew this Zamazenta card was going to be really well positioned, and just to see, like you said, be it being seen in those checkmate scenarios because like you said you hit with a cramorant and you have a sableye good to go and a zamazenta well what's your opponent going to do they're going to knock out one but then they have to worry about the other there's like no good way to go about it in that situation so yeah it's just very very powerful um and obviously the energy counts are really you know streamlined here but we're seeing the training court ordinary rods um high counts of escape rope which is actually really nice to disrupt a little bit as well as you know, for your comfies and everything like that itself. Um, and then we're also seeing the four battle, battle VIP cards in this list, which a lot of people go back and forth on those. But I just think it's a really good card in Lost Box, especially when you can later in the game with, with a Oranguru put one on top of your deck and then uh, comfy it away. So great combo there. Yeah, it gives you that explosive turn one, turn two, what you need to establish your board state, especially when getting Manaphy out, because that's so important with Amazing Ray Raikou, just eating everything alive right now. Uh, but at the same time, like you got the three capture energy, so you're setting up all your worthwhile attackers that could be fulfilled with one colorless attachment on top of being able to Mirage Gate for very little because you have that extra push into the deck. What I don't see here is a big counter to Path to the Peak, which makes the Drapion play incredibly circumstantial because of the one training court. No vacuum, no cute stuff like that. So I'm sure that puts you at a disadvantage unless you can race your opponent to check checkmate positions. But other than that, man, this deck is sick. I've been looking forward to Zamazenta kind of making a break into the scene. 
and Pedro Torres definitely did just that. And the last deck that I picked out was uh, Haru Nishikawa's Lugia V-Star Flying Pikachu deck. This thing is kind of nasty. You got your double Parasol, double Path to the Peak, double V-Guard Energy, and a 2-2 line of Flying Peak that just makes you meme-proof altogether. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty wild to um, see that Flying Pikachu is just making a big comeback right now um obviously i talked about it in orlando i hit two different flying pikachus or seeing it here seeing it pop up online everywhere um what i do find kind of interesting though and maybe it's just me but for the fact that you're playing a pretty prominent lightning attacker and you're only playing one speed lightning energy i mean i know that lugia's main point is to uh accelerate energies with archaeops but I feel like that's just such a good opportunity to be able to attach one from hand <coughs> excuse me, um, and get that extra draw um, as well as... And maybe you don't want that because the more you draw with Lugia, once Archaeops is out, the more likely you are to get energies in hand and that's bad. But I don't know. I just I feel like that could be a little bit more of an increased opportunity there. But then again, I also like the double V-Guard energy in here as well, which could probably take place of one of those speed lightnings that I'm talking about. Yeah, when I dive into the supporter count as well, you've got four Research, three Marnie, and two Roxanne, which is appearing to be a trend in most Japanese um, Asian Asia competitor uh, lists. The double Roxanne is popping up everywhere. It was in another Control-esque list that ran three of the Celebration uh, Eveltals as well, and I'm wondering if maybe that's just... Met, like metagaming for their specific field because they knew where they were going to run into a lot of their good competitors. But Double Roxanne in any list kind of freaks me out. And seeing it in the Lugia list like this and doing this well at 23rd, that's baller. That's super sick. Uh, you also see that the Stoutland's not in this deck because why would you need to take two prizes off of Comfy if nothing in that deck can attack into Flying Pikachu? Yeah, I mean... It is kind of like a double-edged sword not to have the, the Statland, though, because so many of those Lost Box lists we're seeing were playing really heavy um, escape rope, you know, and boss counts and stuff like that. And especially with this deck, there's no way for you to really get things like Archaeops or Lugias or anything off your bench once they've been set down, other unless your opponent knocks them out. So, I mean, there could be potential to, like, let your opponent take a Lugia, let your opponent take both Archaeops and you're lo left with a lone Pika, but at that point, the potential boss rope play is, or rope boss play is also there. And so, I don't know, I just, yeah. It, so it is weird in that aspect, but going back to that Double Roxanne, I just think that's super strong too right now. Um, it is kind of unique how it's popping up, but like, you you do one to your opponent and they somehow get out of it, what's the chances of them, of them getting out of it again? Like, that's just, a, that's that is literally, like, you talk about checkmate scenario, that's like, cool now get out of a second one i got this game <laughs> and if they if your opponent sees one hit the discard pile as a combo with ultra ball and an archaeops or something like that early game because it's closed deckless yes it's best of three but it's closed deckless you don't have that presence of mind of like oh this lugia list plays another roxanne i could totally play around that draw cards for the rest of the game and you better hope that those two like those two cards you get plus your top deck are rope boss or you're stuck behind flying peak for a minute yeah, exactly. That's just, and that is true. The the element of surprise and not knowing. Yeah, it's like you see the Roxanne. Someone might change their entire 
way they're going to play the game, at least game one, thinking it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I can not have to worry about going down to three prizes and stuff like that. And they'll just do it. And then all of a sudden they get Roxanne like, what the hell? So, yeah. yeah so what, so what we're telling you, yeah, what we're telling you guys is risk it for the biscuit. Your opponent doesn't play double Roxanne, just go ham. Uh, but that does it for OCIC. There were a bunch of other cool decks I'd love to fit in here. But I take up a lot of Justin's time, and he's like a full-on dad. So I consolidated <laughs> to three that I liked, and we will move on to the MetaShare study. The MetaShare study is brought to you by Inked Gaming. Inked Gaming has a wide variety of custom playmats, dice bags, face masks, sleeves, dice, and deck boxes. When you use the code PCSPOD10 uh, PCS at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your entire order. Justin, I have the top 16 results here. There's a bunch of Lugia and some Lost Box things sprinkled in here, and two Regigigas, two Mew, and a Vikavolt. Lugia seems pretty scary. It's not limited to just playing the same type of Lugia. Obviously, we've seen some variations do very well at these events, but what's the field look like, man? And is Lost Box now the gatekeeper of anything that can potentially compete with Lugia and still consistently beat Lugia? I don't know so much about Gatekeeper, but I just think right pilot, right deck, right time, right matchups. And I think I think that's where we're going to get to is we're going to see it's going to be a lot of Lost Box, a lot of Lugia, and a lot of Mew. And I mean, that's what we've been seeing. So obviously that's what we're going to continue to see in this format. But I think as far as the top, the people who top, like first place, second place, I think it's going to, at this point, just depend their matchups throughout the day, how they do, how they place, things like that. Um, and then just how the deck performs for them for that day. I mean, obviously, we you know we talked about Reagan got second place playing Lugia, and in his Lugia list, he had a Stoutland, which in theory should be incredibly strong in the Lost Box, taking two prizes at a time, yet variants, bad draws, things like that, you know, he wasn't able to win the the ocic because of it so um and that's just that's just this game we play it's you know with prizing certain things with um matchups my orlando run i literally hit three auto losses for my deck um out of a field of 1400 over 1400 masters like you know just variance happens when i talk to other people and they didn't hit a single single gudra flying pikachu all day and they wanted to hit those so um it is it is, you know, unfortunate that it's going to stay this way for a little bit longer, but I think that also lends opportunity for things to step in and potentially catch people off guard now. Like, the meta's almost been solved, but, like, we see this Vikavolt here down in 16th place, and a lot of people are hype- hyping up Vikavolt again. Sorry, not Vikavolt, but Vikavolt again. Um, just because turn one item lock is really, really strong. It's a basic. It hits Lugia for weakness. Um, locks Mew out of using all their, their tools. So I mean, give give that Vikavolt a good run and, and good variance, and that could have been very easily been our first place deck for the entire tournament, you know. So it is interesting, um, but I don't think there's any necessarily set gatekeeper itself um, at the moment. What do you think, Drew? When I'm deck building, I obviously want to steer towards something that I want to be. Obviously, the best decks in the format consist of Mew, Lugia and lost box in my in my brain i'm like okay cool so then i play flying peak and i play double drapion and i'm chilling 
that puts me at a huge disadvantage to things like Vikavolt and other things that maybe are just more consistent and have a slightly competitive edge on it, like um, Arceus Duraludon. When it comes to deck building as a whole, though, I think Lost Box, because Mirage Gate is so good, because everything that you could do with the Lost Zone engine can power up any variable attackers and then attach a Sky Seal Stone and you all of a sudden have a three prize, four prize turn against what you've considered your new meta counter deck. Uh, I, that That's what the, the gatekeeping word kind of comes from me is how easy it is to throw things in the Lost Box to, to to cater it to the meta and you had mentioned before yes it's dependent on variance and what you hit and who you play against but man lost box seems like it's only getting stronger and people are probably praying for scoop up net to go away because of how just dominant it looks and how much better it can potentially be yeah and i mean and that is true and um and a lot of things that like so personally in my testing group like we do a lot of and most people do this, but they do a lot of theory crafting and like theorizing, well, what happens if this happens, you know, your opponent does this in this matchup and stuff like that. Well, you know, my biggest thing that always has turned me off from playing Lost Box to a bigger tournament is just in testing and other people in our group testing, like always having those variance hands of like, oh, I'm going to comfy. Okay, cool. Well, now my choice is, is my Sky Seal Stone and my Drapion. You know, it's going to be the two cards you need to make that match happen you know you do a couple of those comfies where it's like okay i have to get rid of this energy and that energy and all of a sudden you know your variable attackers are not able to get online and stuff like that like yes lost box is incredibly powerful um and it but it takes a very skilled pilot to be able to pilot i think lost box to um a well-placing finish because of um i guess rng is the word but not necessarily or the term but um you have to know by discarding this card on turn one how it's going to affect your turn like seven and eight and things like that, um, if that makes sense. No, I, I totally get it. It's it's randomization and then skill-based uh, decision-making. Obviously, there's a huge skill ceiling to Lost Box, but it's also like unlimited potential to, like I had mentioned before, how many things you could just throw into it. Uh, so maybe we'll walk away from this conversation and decide that, you know, maybe Lost Box isn't gatekeeping a lot of things from cracking the meta, but I still think that it is sitting in a really good position and it's going to make it hard for good Lugia, good Reggie, good Mew counters to find their way past Lost Box if Lost Box is not considered the best deck in format. Yeah, and I and it is kind of I will I will agree to the point that it is very awesome with Lost Box to be able to add those like um, those tertiary attackers and things like that to the deck and like rotate them in and out because it's kind of interesting and I meant to mention it earlier and I didn't but like the fact that we're seeing everyone kind of whereas a couple of weeks ago the amazing Raikou and Rayquaza builds were like rampant they were everywhere I mean that was the majority of the decks that I saw at. Um, Orlando were those versions of Lost Box. So now we're seeing more of the um, the V, the two prize attackers, make their way back in um, with the inclusion of that Sky Sealstone. Whereas like two weeks ago, people would have told you you'd be dumb for playing that because you want to keep your deck to like a one prize based deck unless you're like playing maybe that single Drapion and stuff like that. So um, the fact that it's able to rotate so you never know like. When someone flips over a comfy, you never know what version of the deck you're going to be playing. 
I think that I will say adds to that deck's strength because you don't know how to play against that deck turn one or turn two. Whereas like, say if someone were playing against me and I flipped over a Reggie or I flipped over an Arceus or a Duraludon or a Mew, you instantly know, okay, I'm playing X deck and I know how to go against this. So that, that does add a lot of strength to the, the, the deck itself. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, but I think we've talked this out quite a bit. I think we'll move on to the next segment real quick, uh, which is the card spotlight. And I also picked this card too, and I've <laughs> said this name a lot during this podcast, and it is Flying Pikachu VMAX, everyone's favorite VMAX Pokemon that is a world champion. Uh, 310 HP, lightning type, no retreat cost, also weak to lightning because it is... a. Uh, not touching the ground, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> These things are about $2.25. What can you tell me about Flying Pikachu other than how much you hate it? I, I can tell you that it's about three <laughs> times as much as it was before it won NAIC. Um, You're not wrong. Dude, that card was bulk until then. Um, no, I... Like, Orlando, I was hating this card quite a bit. But honestly, like, I played this card um, in an Arceus ver- version to a 1K that I got a top four finish in. So I actually really do enjoy this card. I think it's really, really strong against the, the things like Reggie's and Lost Box, um, as well as, like, the, the off-meta stuff like Lunatone, Solrock, um, just really any one or basic Pokemon attacking deck out there. Um because it just has that wall ability. And then on top of that, a lot of people are playing the big parasol with this, so you can't even knock it out with things like Evil Tall unless you have that lost vacuum. So just a really strong card. The fact that it hits 160, has free retreat, um, and is pretty easily powered up as well, too, just a lightning and a double colorless, or double turbo. Um, I mean, just very, very strong to start swinging pretty early on. Yeah, there's just there's so many applicable ways to use this card as meme proof as you want to be yes rope boss is huge against flying pikachu and it sucks when it happens however you keep things like blissey at bay like you said lunatic on soul rock most locks lost boxes but in the future you're going to be able to put it into whatever decks you really need even lugia can play it now uh that new multicolor energy because flying pikachu only needs one color like lightning attachment you could potentially use it in a system like that not with lugia specifically i just kind of transition really quickly um miradon could potentially tech in a 1-1 or a 2-2 flying peak no problem and just power it up with the lightning energy that's in the deck uh some forms of lost box that were using the radiant eternatus were taking this in and that seemed pretty cool as well and then of course arceus which loses very little post rotation so keep flying pikachu on your radar potentially go pick up a very expensive playset now and <laughs> you, you know it, it won worlds and it won naic and it's still super relevant for a card that like you said before is just bulk yeah yeah and the fact that it's you know the the poster child of pokemon for the most part is also uh probably why they invented this card honestly <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. It's so funny reading the card at face. You're like, yeah, well, who who cares? Like, it blocks basic Pokemon, and now basic Pokemon are very, very good. So, Flying Peak, good. Definitely go get some. We have some news to talk about. Some new cards that came out with the Triple Beat set that were released to us and translated into English. Thank you so much, everybody on the internet. 
Justin, what's the first card, buddy? Yeah, the first card we see is the Dene EX. It's a psychic uh, Pokemon, basic Pokemon with uh, 170 HP. Uh, the, it's got the Terrastal ability, um, which, spoiler, it's the same as all the others. Uh, this Pokemon doesn't take any damage from attacks while on the bench, so kind of confirms that the Terrastal ability um, is a wasted ability, unfortunately. I, I, I said it on my Twitter, and I'll say it here for everyone to hear. Pokemon, you should have stepped up a little bit. Anyways... Um, its first attack is for two Psychic Energies, Tail Swap, move all damage counters from one of your bench Pokemon to your opponent's active Pokemon, um, and then for three Psychic Energies, Wondershot, 170 damage, discard an energy from this Pokemon. So, I think this is going to be pretty cool um, as an inclusion in the Gardevoir EX deck that we're going to be seeing coming out. Um, just the fact that, one, it's um, a Psychic-type Pokemon, so it fits perfectly in the deck um, with Gardevoir. But also, that first attack is really awesome. The Gardevoir, whenever it ex it's accelerating those energies, it is placing damage counters. So what better way to get rid of those damage counters than to put them on your opponent's active Pokemon, and now you have uh, a non-damaged benched Pokemon like you, the Gardevoir EX or some other attacker that maybe have gotten charged up. So really strong, I think, in that. Um, it is weak to metal. Um, it doesn't have a resistance, and its retreat is only one, which is also really nice too to have a you know two prize or Pokemon, but with only one retreat cost instead of something like two. So um, I think it's going to be a staple in that deck personally. Uh, what do you think, Drew? Yeah, I like the card. There's a Altaria from Silver Tempest that does the same thing. Obviously, it has to evolve, not a basic. It's a double colorless attachment too. You move all the damage counters from one of your Pokemon to your opponent's active Pokemon. Same way. We are losing things like Big Parasol, so this is going to be able to chew up a lot of stuff. It's not that good of a card, per se, but in things like Shadow Rider, where you might get close to like 310 damage counters on one of those bad boys, and then you just move it off with a Dedene, and you could power it up with Shadow Rider, seems like a pretty sick trade. Yeah, I actually didn't even put the Shadow Rider together. That's because Shadow Rider, I think, coming rotation will be very strong again, too. And so, yeah, this included in that deck would be insane, especially if someone's not one-shotting that Shadow Rider. To move 300 damage counters is insane. Yeah, for sure. And the next card we're going to talk about, which I'm bummed about, but it hasn't stopped me from trying to theorycraft how to play it, is Paldean Clodsire EX. It is a Dark-type Pokemon. It has 280 HP. It evolved from Paldean Wooper, and it has the ability Poison bog once during your turn if there is a stadium in play you may leave your opponent's active pokemon poisoned and for one dark and two colors it does needle bone 200 damage flip a coin if tails this pokemon can't attack during your next turn weak to fighting question mark and it has a retreat cost of three uh i'm overall just kind of bummed like it's really cool that it's dark type it really sucks that it's weak to fighting because it pretty sure like it has a really good stat line against fighting in like the VGC. <laughs> so why couldn't it have just been one of those like grass weak ones? Um, it's got a great amount of HP. Its ability is pretty chill. the The easiest way to power it up would be like Dark Patch and Double Turbo. Then you're only hitting for 180. Yes, you're KOing Mu Vmax, but. I don't think Wooper survives <laughs> Mew VMAX 
unfortunately, but it, it's got some stuff. There's been some stirring up of using it with things like Radiant Sneasler, but it it just kind of fell short of my expectations. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I like I do like the HP on it for 280, but the fact that the abilities okay i mean it's that garbador from way early on in the the sword and shield all over again but the fact that the the i think the the nail in the coffin is the fact that you have to flip the coin and if tails it can't attack during the next turn if it had free retreat that'd be different because you can just kind of pivot between two of them but the fact that the retreat is three on there makes it a little tougher um as well as yeah just having fighting weakness going into this, into this next format i think is not going to be super great or even if we kept like hiding darkness energy then i'd be a lot more keen on this card because then that three retreat cost would be absolved i'd have the ability to pivot and attack with a different clod sire and set them up very handily with a dark patch and dte and raihan but they just unfortunately very lackluster very cool i will definitely be buying at least one full art because i like the pokemon but that that's about it for that card unfortunately and then we have a new uh stadium card justin go ahead and talk about that yeah so next up we have lessons studio um the attacks of each player stage one evolution pokemon do 10 more damage to your opponent's active pokemon before applying weakness and resistance so that part I like on there, the before applying weakness and resistance. So you're swinging into something for weakness. Now you're adding 20 instead of 10. Um, but, I mean, this is just kind of encouraging people to go start playing more stage ones, I think. But other than that, I mean, it's okay. Um, if you really want to start stacking damage with, like, Choice Belt or the new... Um, oh, man, I forget the new belt off the top of my head. It's um, a competitive band. Competitive band, that's what it is. Um, and this, then plus whatever, whatever, you know, other modifiers you have, like, yeah, you can add damage, but is 10 really worth it for your stadium in the deck? Um, I mean, only time will tell. I think, I think it's all right though. Yeah, that's, uh, I have to take everything back that I said about Cloud Sire. Now it does 210. That, that fixes it. Everything's great <laughs> now. It's, uh, it's the most powerful stage one in the whole entire game i do think that with the new bonnet um that item locks dealing that additional 10 damage plus item locking is going to be huge not going to be the best stadium in that deck or for that deck per se but i think that this one could definitely give your opponent some real bad times with the hp coming down on pokemon that evolve into these wonderful exs uh, being able to item lock for a little bit more and potentially take out basic Pokemon now, or not, yeah, take out basic Pokemon with that 10 extra boost, it, it could definitely see some fringe play. And then the last one is the Jet Energy. This is another special energy. As long as this card is attached to a Pokemon, it provides colorless energy. And when you attach this card from your hand to one of your bench Pokemon, you switch that Pokemon into the active. It's all right. Yeah, I think the... I think this card's really, really good in Lost Box. Um, and I think, just from the cards we've seen released so far, I think this next format, they're really pushing that Lost Box mechanic to be strong, even though we're losing things like Scoop Up Net. Because um, if you have two Comfies down, this is one of those where you can now Comfy attaches to your bench, poke, your bench Comfy, 
which automatically brings up the next comfy, and then now you have an energy to discard and retreat and go into your third comfy potentially. You know, so it's just it's kind of one of those you're not having to burn a rope or a switch or a switch card or anything like that. You can do it with this energy, which is great. Or, you know, and for later games, if you have an attacker that needs one colorless energy that's on the bench, same thing. You can attach to that, bring it up from there. So I think it's really good for Lost Box. Outside of that, I mean, only time will tell. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen a couple ideas where in Mew, maybe you play one or two. You don't need it. But the boss Genesex style play is always super strong in most instances. And this will get you out of that with things like spite ops potentially trapping you because your retreat cost. This gets you out of that as well. So something to definitely keep tabs on. Maybe if it was like a fighting special energy, I'd be keen on it because then you just gale thrust. But um, <laughs> it's not. But at the same time, it's it's, it's okay. And then that does it. That does it about for all the cards that are relevant in the uh, Triple Beat release. I wanted to talk about a couple of other cool things that Pokemon TCG players are going to get. TPCI really nailed it with a few of these. We're getting new pre-constructed decks, and the next League Battle deck will feature Origin Form Palkia V Star, and it'll release on May fifth for thirty bucks. This is a saving grace, especially with Palkia kind of trending upwards unfortunately losing capacious bucket pretty soon but it it's 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 a it's a deck it's it's palkia it's a place at a palkia plus a radiant greninja yeah and i think you actually called this one when we talked about them releasing saying that a new league battle deck was coming out i'm pretty sure you said uh palkia and yalga so you hit the nail on the head with that one but something that i looking over the list um we don't have the actual 60 um, but a couple of cards that are mentioned, and I think this is really cool, and it's the first time that, at least I know that we're seeing, but they're actually including a foil Radiant Greninja in there. Um, Radiance were something that you can only pull from packs, as far as we've seen so far, and the fact that now we're seeing one come in this League Battle deck with those V and V-Star Pokemon uh, Palkias is pretty cool. Um, Radiant Greninja, I think, is just one of those cards, too, that you should always have, because it's played in so many decks, so... If you don't have one and you want to pick up this deck anyways, well, there you go. Now you've got one. For sure. And it releases on May 5th. What are the odds that it's Shady Dealings based? It's after rotation. (laughs) It's after rotation, but it's also Pokemon who has been known over the years um, to print things either at rotation or right after rotation of cooler prints or reprints of cards that rotate which make the product a little less valuable to pick up um we've seen it time and time again i just i always laugh because we see these cool promos come out of like alternate arts i'm like oh that's amazing uh shaman ex was a perfect example there's this sweet alternate art promo and it just didn't come out didn't come out rotation hits alternate art promo comes out in a box and is unplayable so yeah so you're thinking it comes to shady dealings I don't know. I'm honestly 50-50 for the pure sake of um, we've already seen the Inteleon deck come out with the Shady Dealings line, so maybe they don't do it for that aspect. Um, But like I said, Pokemon's been known to do stuff like that, so I'm not holding my breath saying it's not going to be. Alright, I'm calling it now. Bibarel. It's going to come with some Bibarel, some non-hollow bibs. And I could 100% see that too, but like I said... 
I'm not gonna say they're not gonna print shady dealings Inteleons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, they don't. They, they 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 just might. It's the best way to play Palkia, hands down. But if you're gonna release it on May 5th, come on, like make it so a new player can buy it that night and play it in a standard tourney. Um, just to go over the list of what it comes with, a full playable. This would mean it's in rotation, right? Uh, 60 card deck loaded with powerful cards. Three foil Palkia V. Two foil Palkia V Star. A Radiant Greninja. One deck box. Two coin condition markers. Six damage counter dice and a competition legal coin flip die. An acrylic V Star marker. One Pokemon TCG rulebook. A quick guide to unlock strategies within. And a code card for TCG Live. Um. And that's it for the Palkia deck. And then we also got a little preview of the new EX battle decks featuring Ampharos EX, which looks very strong, and Lucario EX, which I guess can use that new training stadium. They will also <laughs> release on May 5th, and they will cost $10 each. That seems super cost-effective considering the price of packs is going up. Yeah, I would... My thought when I see that they're $10 a piece just instantly goes, okay, so what you're telling me is there's literally one Ampharos or Lucario EX in there, and the rest is just common playable cards and probably 20 energies. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what that but, screams to me. But but if you're looking for an easy way to pick up your Ampharos EX without having to rip a bunch of packs, and you don't feel like buying singles for some reason, there you go, yeah. $30, and you got three of them. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've seen, at least at my locals, the V battle decks become prizes or, like, raffles during these events. So if I could snake an Ampharos EX for that, that'd be dope. I just like that they're 10 bucks. If I wanted to introduce a new player, obviously, like, I'm more ingrained into the competitive standard format. But I think that this would be a really good first step for teaching someone who's just dipping their toes and doesn't want to break the bank financially. Yeah, that that is a good factor, and then you can also do fun things at that price point too. Like we did one time, like long, long time ago, pre-pandemic, where we did a um, theme deck tournament back when they were theme decks and not V battle decks, and everyone just literally bought. You know, we we all knew ahead of time, so we all went and bought a theme deck, and we played literally a tournament with theme decks. So that way, it was like kind of level playing field, and everyone you know had twenty energies in their decks. You couldn't alter any cards whatsoever. And it only cost you ten dollars, and then the five dollar entry and stuff. And we had an absolute blast doing that. So, release a bunch of different versions of these down the road, and there you go. You got a sealed sealed tournament at that point. Yep, that's pretty cool. I like that they're ten bucks. Other than that, Ampharos is cool. Uh, the V, uh, the EX battle decks come with one ready to play sixty card deck, three reference cards. I am unsure what that consists of. A rules booklet, a single player paper playmat. Uh, Damage counters, one large metallic coin, one deck box, one quick guide to unlock strategies within, and then one code card to unlock this deck on Pokemon TCG Live. Um, very cool. Very, very excited to see what TPCI is doing. I love the fact that they're making playable cards in like pre-con decks, as well as the blisters, like the uh, Darkrai one that we've just seen at Walmarts and stuff like that. I think they really have stepped up their game in making good cards more accessible for players yeah i agree i love the fact that the stuff's more accessible and like affordable like i've never really had to worry about the price cards too much but just the fact that you're making everything so entry level for players just invites more people into the game and that's amazing yeah 
until you make the packs more expensive. Um, <laughs> yes. So then we'll move on to the listener question. I actually took from our Discord with this one because I wanted to hear Justin's thoughts on this. Oscar asked us, why did uh, TPCI get rid of three prizes only to give us a tablet with the ability to take three to four prizes in the form of Sky Seal Stone? Yeah, so, I mean, they're not necessarily getting rid of three prizes completely yet. Um, we're still going to have a bunch of Emaxes in the format and stuff like that. And then in that time doesn't mean they're not going to re-release new versions of three prize Pokemon. Um, let's hope they don't. But um, one, the the card specifically says it has to be a V Pokemon it's attached to. So a basic V and then attacking a V star or v max so technically you take three or four prize cards um it does not work on the new ex pokemon coming out so they're kind of future proofing this card to where it's going to stay in a certain block and only punish those who are using um v cards still once we become or get into this ex era so it's kind of one of those things where um they're not necessarily punishing people for pl- like playing against someone who plays it it's just saying like hey if you're going to play v stars and v max still when we're giving you these new awesome ex um you're gonna have a liability to worry about if someone's playing a sky seal stone and a basic v um because you're gonna lose the game that much faster so i think it's kind of their way of saying here's a cool mechanic here's how we're gonna future proof it and um here's the consequence if this happens to you <laughs> you're gonna lose three to four prize cards yeah, no, I tend to agree. Uh, it's it's a double-edged sword because you have to play a basic V Pokemon, which means you are playing old technology, but you're punishing an opposing player who is also doing the same. It is easy to attach. It is hard to find because you don't want to play more than one. If you If you play two, you really need to have a strategy in line to take out V Max and V Star Pokemon and there's a lot of lost box out there so it, it's not as good as one may hope but it's great in lost box to speed up the price trade because you you might not flower select and chorus into everything you need to have that explosive play but this really turns the tables um it is kind of a kick out the door from tpci to force us into new stuff and make us play their new cards but it's also really competitive if some v maxes that hang around end up retaining their power and staying pretty good yeah and then also on top of that too and that's just this is just something that happens throughout like going through rotations and new sets of cards and new mechanics i mean we've seen in the past where uh you know gx pokemon were still in line with uh v and v stars so you've got to um or not v stars but the v max so you got you had like v max pokemon that also a deck that could use a gx attack which is um, pretty much the same thing as a V-Star attack. Um, it's one one attack you could use per game. Um, they weren't abilities, they were only attacks. Um, but we saw those in combination with V-Max, and then once those got rotated, then the V-Stars started coming back in. So it's just, it's always changing. Then, you know, you go even further back, you get the EX with the GX mixed and all this stuff. So it's it's all mechanics that take time to transition out, and then we eventually get to where that mechanic's out the door. So... It's not really something TPACI like was like, oh man, we're gonna do this to punish necessarily. But I, like I said, I think they they saw this. They go, here's this this amazing card, but it's also future proof too. 
Yeah, no, I tend to agree. So, Oscar, I hope we answered your question. And if anybody else has questions, the words are so hard today. If anybody else has <laughs> questions for us that you'd like answered on the pod, please hit up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. Small Patreon Discord update. The standard format locals is tomorrow. So make sure you're in our Discord as well as our Patreon to participate the winner will receive some ultimate guard swag as well as some crown zenith codes for ptcgo uh, we will also be announcing our monthly giveaway winner during this event so be sure to partake it's gonna be a good time uh, i wish i could make it yeah i know sleepy guy <laughs> no you're good um but that that basically does it for our content let's make some predictions for Knox and bokum plug the show and get the heck out of here what yeah. do you think, man? Uh, let, let's do Knoxville first. Knoxville first? Knoxville Ooh. first. I want, I'll hear your thoughts. I'll, I'll predict Bokum first. Let's see. I've been I've hit a couple on the head recently, and that's just me going through and like kind of theory crafting a little bit. So Lost Box won, and I think there's still going to be a lot of Lugia. And I think there's going to be a big melting pot at Knoxville. So I'm going to go with, oh, it's going to be so hard. But I think there's been a lot of hype around Vikavolt too. I think it's either going to be a Vikavolt or an Arceus Duraludon. Those are going to be Vikavolt first, Arceus Duraludon second. And the reason why I say Arceus Duraludon is because Lost Box doesn't necessarily do a lot of damage to be able to take it out. Um, and people are going to be focused on Lost Box, which means they're going to kind of throw their guard down towards Arceus Duraldon, and then also Arceus Duraldon has an okay matchup in the Lugia, especially when they're not prepped for it. So, um, yeah, and then Vigavolt, like I said, just turn one item lock, and people are hyping it up, is really strong. I think that deck might take the whole thing, but without Aerodactyl, just straight Vigavolt. Yeah, no, that that seems pretty, pretty spot on. I'd like to see, like, Vikavolt, Regieleki, pop back up. It was trending upwards a little bit. What steers me away from making an, a hard, like a super confirmed Arceus Duraludon pick is freaking Dragonite, man. 230 HP. You can't one-hit knock it out. If it two-taps you with Skyseal Stone, you're at a four-prize disadvantage. Um, it's a spooky, spooky terrain for that. So for Knoxville... Um, Man, that's this is difficult. I'm gonna say nobody's teched for Eternatus, and Eternatus wins Knoxville. And I know a specific player is bringing Etern to that event, so let's go Eternatus. Not Weezings, no. Yes, yes, the return of the Weez, baby. <laughs> All right, and then I'll make the first prediction for Bokum. Mu Vmax, no technology, double judge, single Marnie, no Silene. You literally took the words out of my mouth. I was like, for Bokum, I was, I was literally, my thought was UV Max, and I, yeah, t- technology or not, I, I, I just think a UV Max will take it. All right, all right, just to stir the pot, I'll pick like Lost Ray. Yeah, that'll be that'll be like my my second hand pick. That way we could both be right, or I could just be right. Hey, I mean, <laughs> you're not you're not wrong. That's still a strong deck, and like I said. Lost Box uh, can switch it up and catch people off guard. So, yeah, that's not a horrible call. Yeah, for sure. Either that or someone's going to be cheeky and play, like, Lost Box and think they're stuck behind, like, Lying Peak and then just evolve into, like, Dragonite V-Star. That would be funny. 
That would be a good time <laughs> to see. I'd love to see that on stream. Closed deck lists are so fun. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but that does it for the show, man. Justin, why don't you go ahead and start the plugs? And yeah. Yeah, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, I am TCG. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I am just at PokeBrews. Um, Instagram is where I do most of my socializing. So if you guys want to add me on there, I'm happy to chat and stuff. On both those places, you can find my link uh, links to my link tree. And on that link tree, I have links to things like TCG, my TCG player affiliate links, as well as things uh, like our official merchandise at Bonfire. Um, and if you don't want to go to my link tree and you just want to go check out Bonfire, it's bonfire.com slash store slash pcspod. And again, talking about Twitch, even though we haven't gotten it going, we keep talking about it, but it is coming twitch.tv slash pcspodcast. Um, we'll hopefully be stream doing live streamings of the um, pod on there, as well as doing some tabletop um, games. So if you guys want to ho- go ahead and get that, so whenever we start doing that, you'll be the first to know whenever it pops up. Uh, give us a follow. On to you, Drew. Yeah, my whole goal is after Justin's done with Knoxville, we're going to hash out a schedule when we can start doing live Twitch streams. And then if – I don't know what's going to come before the other – but my birthday weekend's coming up pretty quick here, and I know for a fact that I'm going to use that platform to at least stream a local tournament that I'm trying to piece together. So definitely keep your eyes on that. And as far as my plugs go, I've been super absent from YouTube. Life has just been super busy. I go to San Jose this weekend, so I'm really hoping that I can get back to YouTube right after that. Uh, but you can check out my channel as well as Twitter at Katana TCG. Make sure you're checking out Ink Gaming, and if you use the code PCSPOD10, you get 10% off your entire order from InkGaming.com, and make sure you're checking out the ultra-premium products by Ultimate Guard when you're shopping at InkGaming.com. If you'd love to join our Patreon as well as our Discord, be sure to hit up Patreon.com slash PCSPodcast. You get entries for the monthly giveaway and entrance to the PCS locals which is standard and it's also tomorrow at 6 p.m pacific standard time on limitless or play.limitless.com and that does it for the show go ahead and send us out of here buddy yeah we will catch you guys after knoxville and i go oh three drop no you're gonna (laughs) win it see ya (laughs) 